Turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, this morning we see a special event in the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a time of the year, of course, we think about the birth of Christ, at the time when Jesus Christ became flesh. The, the, the John 1, 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was born. Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven. He came with a purpose and a plan, and that is to, to die on the cross to pay for the sins of the entire world. As we look at Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at something that happened shortly after the birth of Jesus Christ. We meet a man, an older man. His name is Simeon. He's a man who believed God, He's a man who obeyed God, and he's a man who worshiped God. So as we look briefly this morning, just at this passage, this is an event, it will have to actually gain a little bit of understanding in the Old Testament law. It may surprise you, and we'll see it as we look through this, and then we'll see what Mary did, and then we'll see what Simeon did. And so there's some great things there. As we begin, think about this. One of the great joys of life is to hold a baby. I mean, I don't know if you ever get to go to the hospital, somebody's born, you know, you get to see that little life, and we see the potential that is there and the hope of the future. Well, this morning, we see a man who had the pleasure of holding the baby Jesus. In the temple, Simeon comes in, he takes Jesus Christ into his arms, and he praises God, and he says, this is the Savior of the world, and he calls Jesus the light of the Gentiles and the glory of the nation of Israel. Well, here's the question. Who is this man, and how did he know about Jesus? And so as we look this morning, it's going to be a special event in Jesus' life. In fact, it is the 40th day after Jesus' birth. Mary brings Jesus into the temple. We'll see why. This is to obey the Mosaic law. We'll talk about that. And Simeon gives his information. So let me break down the passage for you. It's really a simple passage, two key things. We're going to look at why Mary brought Jesus to the temple. That's verses 22 through 24. And then we see Simeon's message about Jesus, uh, 25 through 33. And we'll have to, to, to go back. We'll have to go back a little bit to the Old Testament. And, and I've got some, verse, some slides and things for you. As we think about this passage, I think that uh, some of the songs we just sang talked about Jesus being the Savior of the world. And when we think about it, the great truth of all is that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He's declared over and over. In fact, in this passage, Simeon says that he is the Savior of the world. The angel, when the angel comes to Mary, says he is the Savior of the world. When the angel comes to Joseph, he says, you shall call his name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. When the angels come to the shepherds, you find they said, born this day in the city of David is a Savior, Christ the Lord. So all throughout the scripture, at the birth of, the, of Jesus Christ, our Messiah and the Savior, he is called the Savior. And when we think of Christmas, we think and should think that the Savior is born. So many people have so many different views and so many ideas about Christmas, and some people, it's, it's all about Santa, it's all about presents, it's all about a holiday. But the bottom line is, Christmas is the story of, of when we celebrate the birth of the Savior of the world. Jesus Christ died and rose again, uh, paying for sin and conquering death. He is the Savior of the world. And we see the one born Savior of the world. And look, as we look at this passage, that's what we see, see Simeon declaring. Well, let's do this. Let's start and let's go and let's look at Mary bringing Jesus to the temple. That's what we're going to start with. And as we look at this verse, we got to raise some questions. Why? Why would Mary bring Jesus to the temple at, at this time? I mean, what, what was going on? To understand, we have to go back to the Old Testament. We have to understand in Galatians 4.4, 4, it says, In the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. We understand that when Jesus Christ was born and came into this world, he's Jewish. 
And he was born under the Mosaic law. And his mother and daddy lived under the Mosaic law. So Jesus Christ was Jewish living under the law. And so we're going to see that under the law, his mama and daddy had certain things they were supposed to do after the birth of the child. So I want you to look, and let me just read for you. Look at Luke chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. Just look at that quickly. It says this. Now, when eight days had passed before his circumcision, talking about Jesus, his name was then called Jesus, the name given to him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. I'm just going to stop there. And what we're going to see just in these couple of verses is three things. We're going to see Jesus' circumcision. We're going to talk about what that is, of course. Mary's purification. What are we talking about there? And Jesus being presented to God. And we go, what? Presented to God? How does this go? Well, to understand this, you have to go back to the Old Testament. And I want you to think about something. Under the Mosaic law, when a woman had a baby, there were certain things that went by. If she had a boy baby, she was unclean for seven days. If she had a girl baby, she was unclean for 14 days. And on the eighth day, if it was a boy baby, he was circumcised. And then then there were 33 more days counted off. So a woman counted off 33 days for a boy. So totally 40 days. Seven days and then 33. If she had a girl, it was 14 days and 66, which were 80 days. So if a woman had a baby under the Old Testament law, she had certain things that she had to do. I want you to look at this. This was the law concerning when a woman had a baby boy. This is Leviticus 12. It says this, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, When a woman gives birth and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean for seven days. I won't read the rest of the thing, but she's going to be unclean for seven days. And then on the eighth day, if it's a boy, they would circumcise him, and then she had to wait a 33 more days. I want you to notice this. It goes on and says, the boy is circumcision. This is the sign of the covenant. Watch. On the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall remain in the blood of repurification for 33 days. And it's already been seven days, and 33 days is going to be 40. She shall not touch anything, consecrated thing, nor enter the sanctuary until the days of repurification are completed. So we understand that the, 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 she has a baby, and let's go back and think about it. So she had baby Jesus. Seven days have passed. She's unclean. On the eighth day, they go and take Jesus to the temple. He's circumcised, and he's named Jesus. They count 33 days from there up to 40 days, and now they come back, and her purification is over, and they present Jesus to God. What's this all about? How does this work? And so the baby, the son, is presented. So look at Luke chapter 2. Look at verse 21. Now when the eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So on the eighth day, here it is. This is the circumcision, and his name is Jesus. And the word Jesus, or the name Jesus means Savior. We remember you go all the way back. The angels told the shepherds that born this day in the city of David is a Savior. The angel told to Mary that he is a Savior. The angel told to Joseph he is the Savior. And so they named him Savior. In fact, in Matthew 121, the angel told Joseph, said, You shall name, his, name him Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. John 129, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now remember, this is now... 
the eighth day. She's already been unclean for seven days. They bring Jesus there. It's the eighth day. That's verse 21. When you get to verse 22, you're going to find out 33 days have passed. It's now the 40th day. Look at verse 22. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This is the the purification, and this is the presentation. Now, what in the world? Why would they have to bring Jesus or bring any firstborn son? Why would they bring him and have to present him after 40 days? Well, I want you to remember something. You remember the nation of Israel when they were in bondage in Egypt. You remember what God told them to do? He said that night they would kill a lamb called the Passover lamb. They would put the blood on the door, and the angel of death was going to come through that night. And it was going to kill every firstborn son in Egypt. Now, they put the blood on the door, and whoever put the blood on the door, he, the angel passed over. So the Jewish people killed the Passover lamb, put the blood on the door, and they, their firstborn sons were not killed, but all of Egypt's firstborn sons were. So watch what God says in Exodus. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Sanctify to me every firstborn, talking about the sons, the firstborn of every womb among the sons of Israel, both of man and beast, belongs to me. So God says, All firstborn sons belong to me, because there was the death of the firstborns in Egypt, and God saved the firstborns out of Egypt. So every firstborn son was set apart. Now watch, something happened. Later on, God chose one of the tribes of the Jewish, uh, one of the Jewish males to serve him as priest, the Levites. If you remember in the nation of Israel, they got the Mosaic law and they built the tabernacle. God said, I'm going to take one of the tribes and they're the tribe of Levite. And all of the Levite men took the place of the firstborn sons. In fact, notice this right here. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Now behold, I have taken the Levites from among the sons of Israel instead of every firstborn, the firstborn of the womb and the sons of Israel. So the Levites shall be mine. For all the firstborn of mine, on the day that I fatally struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified to myself all the firstborn in Israel from the uh, human firstborn to animals that are mine. So what God says is this. When we came out of Egypt, the firstborns died. I saved my firstborns. We bring them out. Now I'm taking the tribe of Levi, and they're going to take the place of the firstborns so they don't have to serve as priests. So what they're going to have to do then is when you have a firstborn son, you bring him to God. You're presenting him to him. He's not of the tribe of Levi. You present him. You offer a sacrifice, and you take your son back. That's what's supposed to happen. So when we look at chapter of Luke chapter 2, verse 22, when it says, when the day of their purification according to the law of Moses was completed, they brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to print to present him before the Lord. So I want you to understand something. Any firstborn son, not of the tribe of Levi, had to be presented to God and purchased back by the family. So verse 21, they're circumcising Jesus. But in verse 22, it's been 40 days, and Mary and Joseph come, and they're going to present Jesus there, and they're going to offer a sacrifice. Notice what 
the next verse says. Verse 23, as it is written, says they present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer, they had to offer a sacrifice according to what was in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. So what we find on verse 22 is this, the day for the purification, Mary goes and takes Jesus to present him before the Lord. And of course, there's the Luke passage. Every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And so they had to offer the sacrifice. You may have never realized that when Jesus was born, Mary was unclean for seven days. Then they took him up there on the eighth day, had him circumcised and named him Jesus. They counted 33 days. And on the 40th day, they come back. They're now pure. They present Jesus and they're going to offer a sacrifice to buy Jesus back because he's not of the tribe of Levi. He's the tribe of Judah. And so they have to purchase him back. That's what's happening in Luke 2 verses 21 through 24. Now in the middle of that, so just think about it. If you're Joseph and Mary, this is your day, and you go, okay, this is the day we go to the temple. We got the baby Jesus. We got the sacrifice. We're going to go into the temple. We're going to offer the sacrifice, and we're going to be there. And somebody else shows up, somebody else that they weren't expecting. In fact, somebody else that they probably didn't even know. And we're going to see this man named Simeon. And we're going to see Simeon has a message about Jesus. So let's, let's meet Simeon. Look at verse 25. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 it says, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him. Notice carefully. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, this is an amazing thing. This man is probably old, and God had revealed to him, you will not die until you see the Messiah. So he's thinking, you know, it's got to be getting close because I'm getting really old. And, you know, I've got to see the Messiah. Now, I want you to see something about this man. Let's, let's, let, let's look at Simeon, and there are five things about him in these two verses that I want you to see. First of all, it says, and there was a man in Jerusalem, his name was Simeon, and this man was righteous. Now, righteous means that he was a believer. See, in the Bible, when it says this was a righteous person, we know that righteousness comes by faith. In Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. We understand that anybody, any person in the scripture, that when you believe in the Messiah, you believe in Jesus Christ, you trust in him to give you eternal life, God gives you righteousness. And so this man, Simeon, is called righteous because he is a believer. He has put his faith. Uh, Romans 4, 5 says, the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. So every one of us in this room and everyone listening, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have uh, believed in him for eternal life, you are righteous. Well, here is Simeon. He was righteous. There was a second thing about it. It says he was devout. This word is a unique word. It means fear God. It it doesn't mean like I'm afraid of God. It means that I realize who God is and how powerful he is, and he's awe-inspiring. And and for all of us in this room, we should should fear God in in the sense that we go, you know, he's not the man upstairs, and he's not somebody that... He is the eternal, powerful being who spoke it all into being. He is perfect, righteous 
God. He is to be worshipped. So when you talk about Simeon, Simeon looked at God and said, God is, is amazing. The third thing, and this is really great, he was looking for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel means the one who brings peace. Jesus is called the what? The Prince of Peace. He was looking for the one who would bring comfort and peace. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 40, it starts off by saying, Comfort ye, O comfort me, my people. And then it talks about the Messiah. It talks about the Prince of Peace. He was looking for the one who would bring peace, and that is the Messiah and the Savior. If you were to talk to him, they'd say, What are you looking for? He says, I'm waiting for God's Savior to come, the Messiah to come, who will bring peace. And the question that we could ask is, What are you and I are looking for to bring us peace and comfort. There's only one, there's only one way to have peace, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Jesus Christ is the answer. He's looking for the consolation of Israel. And basically he's saying he's looking for the Messiah who would bring peace. There's a fourth thing. And that is the Holy Spirit was upon him. So you may have read over that, but it says, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now notice it didn't say the Holy Spirit was in him. What we realize is in the New Testament, when you believe in Jesus Christ, after, after Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, and we're in the church age, anyone believes in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. But before then, the Holy Spirit came upon people and could leave. That had nothing to do with their salvation. And so the Holy Spirit could come to empower people for certain things. This man had the Holy Spirit. Notice what it says, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. We're going to see why would he need the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, we're going to see when we get to the next verse why he needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Old Testament believers, sometimes they had the Holy Spirit that would come for certain things. A guy by the name of Belazel, Holy Spirit came upon him so he could make the the items of the temple, so the articles for the temple. And so uh, David had the Holy Spirit upon him. Saul had the Holy Spirit upon him. And God took the Holy Spirit away from Saul. Had nothing to do with salvation. Had to do with power and service. And so here's this man who is has the Holy Spirit upon him. And then here's the fifth thing, and watch what it says. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The fifth thing about this man is revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Christ. And I think that's amazing that he actually knew that he would not physically pass away until he actually saw the Messiah. Did he think the Messiah would come in as a king riding on a donkey, as Zechariah 9.9? Did he think the Messiah would be a baby? Who knows? Well, we're going to see what he thought and how he thought it. Look at verse 26. Again, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd see the Lord's Christ. And, and so he was waiting for the Messiah. Uh, are we, what do we say about Jesus Christ? I mean, this is the time of the year in which everybody talks about Christmas, Santa Claus, presents, gifts, uh, the birth. And we want to highlight that we're telling people that the Lord's Christ is the Messiah, is the Savior of the world. And the whole reason we celebrate Christmas is because of the birth of the Messiah and the Savior. Watch. We said that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Why? Well, number one, the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah. But look at number two, look at verse 27. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, and I'm going to stop there. You understand that he came into the temple being led by God the Spirit. Can you imagine that day, Simeon woke up and he just said, okay, the, 
the Holy Spirit is telling me to go to the temple. I don't know why. I mean, maybe this is the day. He didn't know. He just knew he was led by the Spirit to go into the temple. And look what happened. This is when, can you imagine, he goes in the temple at about that same time. Here comes Joseph and Mary bringing in the baby Jesus. This happens to be her 40th day. Remember, the 40th day after the birth, Jesus has been circumcised. He's been named Jesus. It's been his 40th day. They've got to come and offer the sacrifice. And here is Simeon. And it says, he came into the temple, came in, in the Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit. He came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to carry out for him the custom of the law. So he, he, he's there, and he, he has to be there that exact day. Have you thought about that? The exact day that was 40 days for Mary was the exact time the Holy Spirit told Simeon to go to the temple. And so he goes, and watch what happens. He came in the Spirit into the temple, verse 27 again, he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought, uh, brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, do you understand that he, he can you see Mary? And he'd go over and say, excuse me, just a minute, let me hold that baby. I want to hold the baby. You can see Mary going, what? Okay, you can hold the baby. And I love the, I found two pictures that I love. Look at that one right there. Wouldn't that be like him? Old man, he's got the baby in his arms. And look, he's saying things to God. We'll see it in just a minute. Or look at this one. I love this one because he's holding the baby. Look at Mary's face. It's like she knows something. You know, isn't that a beautiful picture? Can you imagine this old man coming up to Mary in the temple and saying, excuse me, I, I want to hold that baby. I want to hold this baby. I know who this baby is. You may not know who this baby is. I know who this baby is. Now, Mary knew. Mary and Joseph knew who the baby was. But before he was ever born, they knew that, that he would take the throne of his father David. He would be the Messiah. He'd be the Savior. He'd be the King. It, it all probably sounds too good to be true. It all seems so weird that the King of the world, the Messiah, would be born as a baby. But that's the truth. And so they've got him in her arms, in her arms, and he comes and says, "Let me hold that baby." And he's got that baby in his arms, and it's just so amazing. And and then look what he says, verse twenty nine. And then he said, now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. You know what he just said? Now I can die. I can die. I've seen, you said I wouldn't die until I saw the Messiah. You would, I wouldn't die until I saw the Christ. And now I got him. And now I can die. I mean, it's just amazing. He said, let me die. He would not die until he saw the Messiah. Notice what he says here. He calls the, the Lord. He says, and now, Lord... That the word Lord there has the idea of deity and mastery. And he says, you were releasing your bond servant. Look at the contrast. He calls him Lord. He calls himself the bond servant. How, how do we think about ourselves with God? Do we understand that God is our master? He's the Lord and we're the servant? What, we've been bought with a price? We're not our own. Therefore, we've been to, we're to glorify God in our bodies we're slaves. We're slaves of Jesus Christ. I love it when Paul writes his letters and he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. That's how he calls himself, a bond servant, which the word bond servant meant a slave. Simeon says, you're the Lord. I'm the servant. You now can let me die. I have seen him. Watch the next verse, verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation. I love that. Look what he says, the Savior. He said, I saw, I saw the one, I've seen the one that brings salvation. 
He says, listen, here's the truth. Salvation is in a person. Salvation is not in action. Salvation is not what we do. Salvation is not in an activity. Salvation is not in church. Salvation is not trying to be good. Salvation is in a person, and the person is Jesus Christ. Simeon is holding the salvation in his arms. The Savior of the world is right there, and he's holding him. He says, I can now die. I have seen your salvation, the salvation from all mankind, because salvation is in a person. Acts 4.12 says, there is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we might be saved. (coughs) Salvation is in a person now. He's not through. He's got something to say. And you can imagine Mary and Joseph when this man takes their child says, now I can die, Lord, I have seen the salvation. And then look at verse 31 and 32. He said, for I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. I love this. He says, you're the light, this baby, this salvation is the light to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. You know who? That's who he is. See, Jesus came, and when we look, we just got through studying the Gospel of Matthew, and almost the whole Gospel of Matthew deals with Jesus showing himself as the King of the Jews, and so he goes all the way to the Jews, the whole book to the Jews until the very end. But Jesus Christ didn't just come to be King of the Jews. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the Savior of the world. He's the light to the Gentiles, and all most of us in this room are Gentiles, that we're not Jewish, but he's the light to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. And it's just amazing. I want you to think about Jesus as the light of the world. That's what he says. He says, I'm the light of the world. I love John 1, 4. He says, Jesus is the light of men. In 1, 9, he says, this is the true light that lights all people. Jesus is the light of the world. And Jesus actually said that we're to be lights of the world. We're to shine as lights in a crooked and perverse generation. We're to shine as lights in this world because we reflect his glory. But there's more because he's the glory of Israel. Israel, a tiny group of people, beginning with Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and the sons, and scattered out this group of people, this land, which when we look at the whole world, it's a very tiny little land. This group of people has a glory, and that glory is the Savior. And that glory is that through that people group came two things, the Word of God and the Messiah. And Jesus is called the glory of Israel because he's the Messiah and the Savior. I remember talking to a Jewish lady, and I told her, because we were talking, and she had not believed in Jesus, and she didn't want to. And I talked to her, and I said, but you know, you realize that the Messiah and the Savior of the world comes through your people, through the Jewish people. She asked me on the plane one time, I was talking to the lady, and she said, why in the world would you want to study Hebrew, and why in the world do you want to know about Jewish people? And I said, because my Savior is Jewish. He's the glory of Israel. Wow. Think about that. Isn't that beautiful? And so when we look at it, the Messiah, of course, is Jewish. And that's why Simeon says he's the light to the Gentiles and the glory of the nation of Israel. This child, the light of the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. He is the Savior of mankind. He's the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. Can you imagine that here is Joseph and Mary, 
unclean for seven days, goes there on the eighth day, circumcised names him, counts off 33 more days, and now it's time to go present him. And they go to present him, and they got to bring their sacrifice because they're going to present him and take him back. And while they're there, a man comes up and says, let me have the baby. I can die, Lord. It's time. I've seen your salvation. I've seen the one who is the light to the Gentiles and the glory of the nation of Israel, the Savior of the world. When this baby is born in Bethlehem, and we're celebrating that now, we all celebrate this time of the year. We say, oh, this is the time when we think about baby Jesus and the baby being born in Bethlehem. The truth is that baby born in Bethlehem is the Savior of the world, and he is the light of the Gentiles and the glory of the nation of Israel. Look at the response by Mary and Joseph, and his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. I I would probably be amazed thinking, how does he know all this? How does this man know this? How how does he know what's going to happen? And so what do we see? They were amazed. Simeon declares that Jesus Christ is the Savior, the light to the nations, and the glory of Israel. So I want you to think about this as we close. Let us realize that salvation is in a person, the Savior, Jesus Christ. I talk to people all the time. You do too. And many people think salvation is in something you do. Whether you walk down an aisle, you give your life to Jesus, you repent of your sins, you you get baptized, you join a church, you try to live a good life, you try to keep the Ten Commandments, you do all kind of... And you're saying, if I kind of do these kind of things, I can be saved. Salvation is not in actions. Salvation is in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world and the glory of Israel. And the only way to have salvation is through Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12, there's no other name given. First John 2.2, 2, he's the satisfactory payment. I love John 14.6. He says, I'm the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, he is the Savior, and he is the only Savior. There is no other way to be saved. There is no other name given among heaven. There is no way except by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ. People hear us say this all the time, but God loved us that he gave his son, Jesus, to die on the cross and pay for sin, to be born in Bethlehem as the light to the Gentiles and the glory of the nation of Israel, and that he gave his son to die and rise again, and that whoever, anyone, would believe in him, not works, but faith alone, Christ alone, would never perish but have everlasting life. Salvation is in a person. And if you're watching this and you have never understood this right where you are, you can put your faith in Jesus Christ. You can trust in him. You can believe in him for eternal life. And that exact moment you can have salvation. He is the savior of the world. He is the light to the Gentiles and the glory of the nation of Israel. The second thing is only Jesus can bring the consolation, the comfort, and the peace. The second thing is just declare. Let's let's declare that Jesus Christ, the baby born in Bethlehem, is the Savior of the world. Jesus Christ is the Savior, and we must announce it. So at Christmas, let's, let's make the emphasis, when people start talking about Christmas, let's make the emphasis that it's all about the one who was born to save mankind. The baby born in Bethlehem is the Savior of the world. You know, while we were singing one of the songs, it just hit me that there's Mary and Joseph that night because some of the songs were about the birth of Christ and, you know, weighing a manger and he's in the, he's in the feed trough. And it hit me. Think about, he's a little bitty baby. I mean, he's like hours old, not days old, not weeks old, not months old, not 40 days old. 
but he's a little bitty baby. Can you imagine him in that feed trough and Mary looking down at that baby knowing that that baby is the Savior of the world? The baby born in Bethlehem is the Savior of the world, the light to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel.